Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Hey there, Jets fans. Welcome back to episode 57, the Tyler Myers episode. No, it's actually Jacob Truba, but maybe 57. Maybe that's foreshadowing. Anyhow, Jet Centric Podcast, episode 57. My name is AJ, one of your hosts, and today for this uh, episode we got Roddy. Roddy's joining us. I didn't uh, realize Roddy was going to hop in on it, but we got sort of a, a guest host, Alan. Some of you are familiar with Alan and his antics, and if you really want to know about Alan and and Roddy too, uh, and the podcast and how this kind of came about, they are sort of pioneers in all this, so you got to go back to episode four to find that out. So I'm sure most of you are familiar with him, but uh, him and Roddy and uh, Mike, they all get together and they chat about the Truba trade and, and how the Jets handled that. So uh, enjoy the episode. We got a lot of big things that we're working on. It's actually going to be our one-year anniversary as a uh, podcast for Jetcentric, uh, which was derived from the AIH podcast before, which had Alan and Roddy and others on it. So um, g- trying to plan something pretty cool and big and some sort of double episode for for that. So you could look forward to that. Anyhow, let's get on to the episode. Here you go. All right, we are uh, here. It's your pal Slip. I haven't been podcasting about the Jets in like well over a year, and uh, some stuff recently has kind of brought me back to life, and uh, we had to do this for the Jets-centric podcast. So yeah, my name is Slip. Uh, You can find me on Twitter. People hate me as a Jets fan, but uh, I am energized. And uh, with me, we've got a couple of people who are going to be chatting today about the most recent Jets news. Uh, Roddy, you're out there. Yeah, I'm uh, podcasting from Gatineau. Bonjour. Salut. <laughs> and and Mike, uh, I believe you make regular appearances on this podcast, so you, uh, you're you also joining us. Yes, and I'm still a Jets fan. <laughs> hey, man, I'm still a Jets fan. <laughs> I know, I know. I love that. Yeah, just... no, I am. Um... Yeah, no, still a Jets fan, and I know we all are. Obviously, how could you? If you weren't a Jets fan, why would you do this kind of stuff, right? So, <laughs> uh, so I've mostly been silent for the last year, at least on uh, podcasting, talking about the Jets. Maybe not as much on Twitter because, quite frankly, the team has done pretty well for the last couple of years, and and I'm not used to this with a Winnipeg hockey team, <laughs> uh, and so. I just didn't, uh, you know, there wasn't much to say other than, you know what, it's not perfect. I know we are sometimes unhappy with the coach and still don't love all the players. And, uh, but, and, you know, this year didn't end the way we wanted it to, but uh, we rolled into this off season with a lot of question marks. And one of them in one, one way or shape or form uh, was answered yesterday. The Jacob Truba saga in Winnipeg ended with uh, with the big trade. Uh, he was shipped off to uh, the New York Rangers, and in exchange, the Jets picked up their what their their twentieth overall pick that they traded uh, a few months ago for Kevin Hayes. And uh, what's the name of this defenseman? P- uh, Poink Pionk. 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 Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we also picked up, yeah, we also picked up uh, Neil Pionk, uh, who is a slightly younger and uh, less talented from what all of the uh, what all the stat boards tell you, defensemen. So uh, strong reaction. And before I react, um, Mike, what do you think? Uh, well, yeah, this trade, like you, uh, Alan, got me kind of out of a little bit of a Jets hibernation, uh, at least since they were knocked out of the playoffs this year. And uh, uh, yeah, I have to say I was a little bit surprised at the return and not in a very, uh, I guess, good way for the Jets. I thought, I thought uh, not that I'm an expert on uh, Neil Pionk, uh, I'm not an expert on him at all, uh, but uh, yeah, I was a little bit disappointed, to be honest. I thought that we'd get a lot more for a guy that has been one of the better one of the best five on five at least defensemen in the NHL and at such a young age so yeah pretty pretty surprised kind of bummed to be honest uh Roddy what did you think were you in Gatineau when this happened yeah I was in Gatineau and it it woke me up you know 
<laughs> See, seeing this the notification from my school app. Um, yeah, like this is a misstep that, that that's been like two years in the making, or years in the making. They, they misstepped the last time he held out, and and they didn't control this asset like they should have. And you know, there probably been more chips in play if this trade happened sooner. Um, I don't know what what the trade off is of about you know doing this last year or with more term, but you know, on the surface, trading trading somebody that you know um, could possibly sign a long term deal in in in, in New York. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just. It sucks. It sucks hard. This is the biggest misstep Chevy's made in in, in a long time, and um, it's not like this wasn't known. Like this wasn't. They 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 either have to be the most naive organization on the face of the earth, or they've known that the writing was on the wall years ago and should have made a move back then, or should have made a smarter move, anyways, before before having to do this. I, I get. I get that the trade value has decreased to the point that it's to, to where it is right now. It's debatable whether they, they could have gotten more at, at this point. But I'm sure they knew years ago that this was the in, in, inevitable result. And that's the frustration with me. So the the rumor well, mill, the rumor mill, just to kind of put out everything that's been floating around here, is that... Uh, one, Truba largely wanted out because his fiance is in a better position with her career and her future in the U.S., uh, which is, you know, it's a noble reason if, 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 if it's to be believed. Um, but that's kind of what he's been saying. And then um, other teams have kind of come out and said there were better offers on the table, but that uh, Truba and his agent held out and basically gave a list of, what, two teams so that... Uh, they would be willing to go to, and with any other team, they would essentially make life difficult for other teams by by holding out and by not signing more than a year, and and that kind of uh, made the deal fall through. So so that's that's what's that's what's been floating out. Uh, sorry, Mike. Yeah, I mean that's exactly where I was going with it too. Uh, I think in even one of the articles, I think there was, um, I think one of the ones. So people have. Jets fans have been pretty kind of pissed off about one part of the news that came out, which is that the Jets kind of mysteriously weren't allowing teams like other GMs to talk contract. Do you guys hear that? Uh, I didn't hear about the Jets and other teams, but I, I did hear that Truba had basically said, like, there's no, <laughs> there's going to be no deal. Right, right. So, so, but basically it all kind of, it all kind of goes, it's all part of the same, it's just sort of an odd situation. And yeah, I think that even in the same article that kind of cited that, like, uh, that, um, I think, yeah, it seemed like it was basically targeted down to the New York area, like the Rangers Islanders. And then, uh, the author was, was wondering if the devils had a shot at getting him, but basically it seemed, it seemed like this is a, I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I don't. I was almost going to say the words in Chevy's defense, but yeah, maybe, maybe in the defense it was a, it was a, uh, it was not. A, maybe there were just not a lot of teams that could even could even acquire this guy, or, or at least have a hope to sign him. I don't know. It's a weird situation to me. Well, the only thing weird is why why they didn't react to it originally. Like, they had to have known, and it was already put on the table. He already was holding out. Like, I mean. What's going to change in two years, or or when when the bridge deal is o- over? Like what what's going to change? Like he's what's going to change is he's going to have more leverage. He's he's going to have more control because at this point it's it's one year, right? If 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 they don't deal with it, but back when he held out the first time, there were more options. Be realistic, deal them, well, get as much as you can, and at that point look at the chips that might have been in play back then. I mean, I feel like there's been missteps all over the place with this guy. And again, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that like, clearly he has not been easy to deal with either. Right. But that being said, he's, he is within his rights for everything that he has done. Um, You know, he's exercised the leverage that he has as a, as an NHL player that is on, uh, that is 
you know, stuck with one organization uh, for a certain period of time. But, you know, three years ago, uh, there was a dispute over a contract and the both sides were far apart and they ended up agreeing on a bridge, a pretty cheap bridge, like $6 million over two seasons uh, bridge there. I mean, you could have maybe like, could you have locked the guy in at that point? Like, and, and taken the same, uh, taken the same chance on Truba that you did with Shifley. Could you have locked him up at that time for seven or eight years at six mil? Like you, I'm guessing it seems to me like that. It just based on based on what's happened, I, it seems like uh, that wasn't on the table. It just, I mean, we don't know, right? Like what? Like we have no idea. But man, I mean, it just seems like the Jets have had some willingness to to go long term on their on their younger guys, and uh, it sure seemed like they were kind of grooming. I don't know. I mean, the whole like it just it just it just seemed like it seemed like I don't know for whatever reason that's the thought that I have in mind that the Jets did want to keep Truba, but that it was always on the um, on just on Truba's side that that the desire wasn't there and and maybe that's maybe because I'm thinking things like that maybe that's why a lot of Jets fans were pretty big on the whole let him rot kind of kind of stuff a couple years ago. So I don't know. Let, let him rot is not a wise business decision. <laughs> like, like at, at that point, if if I'm the Jets and I have our future number one right hand defenseman, and we just you know and we we give Shifley his his contract, then I take my shot at the long term deal and see see if he signs, and see see the point that we're willing to go and make that commitment long term. And if he turns it down and clearly doesn't want to sign long term for big money, then you need to make the decision then and there. Or, or, or you decide that this is your window when you go for it, and, and and maybe that's what they did. But I, I, it doesn't make good business sense to 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 go about it the way that they did, and and the fact that we got traded back our original <laughs> draft pick it adds insult to injury, right? It's not even it's <laughs> like yeah, it's, I, it's just it's just misstep all the way. I, I said yeah. earlier today, like yeah. four four months ago, the Winnipeg Jets had Jacob Truba and the first round pick. <laughs> like you had both assets, uh, and and now you had to trade one for the other. And I I don't, I I mean I guess rolling and and, the- and, and honestly uh, as as. As much as a lot of people look down at a Brendan Lemieux, that's still an asset that you could have used in a trade, and still a, a desirable asset for 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 other teams as well, right? That you traded away for that trade, like like you know, you know, we've been talking about it a lot. We've been talking about where the Jets have been lacking, and we've been talking about their lack of depth going into the playoffs, right, for a while. Now, as an organization, do you make that move, or do you? You know how valuable would a Brendan Lemieux be if you're willing to part ways with him at the draft this year? Like I don't know. Like what other chips do you have? Like bringing in Hayes with the team that they had and the tra- trajectory of the team since since January is that a wise move? Right? Are you managing your assets to to the fullest of your capability considering the talent of the team that you have right now? Well, not right? only not only that, you bring in Hayes and then. There's clearly some sort of disconnect between the GM and the coach because Hayes ends up getting used like largely as a fourth liner or, or you know a depth guy over the course of the playoffs, and it's like you you spent you spent this pick on on this player, and you know that you're not going to be able to keep him in the long run. So, like, what did but you bring him in he, here for? But but then he produced, and then you look at all the pundits and all the experts, and he was one of the better additions at the trade deadline. He produced points wise. During the regular season, right, and then when it comes to pressure in the playoffs, you mire him on the fourth line. With like, that, yeah, uh, <laughs> Hayes. By the way, who uh, breaking news signed uh, seven years, fifty million dollars with the Flyers tonight. <laughs> yeah, you got fifty million dollars, eh? Wow. Yep. yep. Oh. <laughs> it's a little crazy. Um, well, I definitely agree that it looks it looks bad. I mean, and I think that. I'm always curious, like what what the general Jets fan base feels about moves like this, and my sense is that this one hasn't been a very popular move. I think that there's been kind of the apologist sort of the apologist storylines out there with like you know the Jets' hands were tied and 
and that kind of thing. But I still think as a fan, ultimately, you don't even really care about that stuff because uh, this just looks like kind of a bad move, like just to get your stinking, you get your own first round draft pick back. That's it. That's uh, that's not a very good return. I don't think anyone thinks too highly of of uh, Neil Pionk. I think, um, yeah, it just it just looks kind of bad. And I think I think this is probably this is this is probably the toughest move that uh, that Chevy's made as far as uh, the fans' perspective of him. I don't think this one makes him look very well at all. No, and I mean, I I, I saw it, like the best defense of Chevy that I've seen out there is. He had no choice. He was backed into a corner, blah, 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 right? Like, I'm not seeing anybody out there that says, this was a fantastic trade. We're super thrilled. Um, obviously, the usual suspects are out there saying that, you know, voicing their displeasure. A lot of the uh, experts out there are scratching their heads or saying this is an underwhelming trade for the Jets. Um, I just, I don't understand, like... And you know what, what's frustrating about this? And I mean, I, I, I feel like I have to say this now because you're going to hear about it later. But like, let's, you know, if if Neil Pionk becomes, let's say, you know, two thirds of the player that Jacob Truba was by, by whatever reason, or if the Jets hit on that 20th pick and they become somebody that doesn't make the trade any better, you no. know, like. You, you, you bought a couple of lottery tickets in, in this case for uh, a, a sure thing. And yeah, you can hit, but, um, you know, the way, like, for example, that 20th pick, let's say that you hit on it and everybody will say, well, look, they, that's what they got back for Truba. So Chevy did it again. And it's like, well, you traded the pick. <laughs> you, you, you traded it four months ago uh, <laughs> for someone that didn't turn out uh, turn out. So, I mean... But it's, then it's, he cleverly got it back. Yeah, it's it's not about what the pick is going to get you. It's about the management of the asset at the time. Well, and, and, you know, the thing about that argument of being backed into the corner, it, it, it's not that he was backed into a corner. He actually painted himself into the corner, right? This is something that he had control of, that they had control of. And, and, and the scariest thing to me is what the next move is. So now... Do they make this move? Do they make this trade? Do they do they go along this path with the ultimate failsafe that you're going to sign Tyler Myers to a long-term contract? That that is all along plan B. Like how scary is that shit? Well, and we're I guess we're not even done done with, with Tyler Myers, right? Like now Again, this is all rumor and speculation that's going out there, but it's 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 like a number of reliable sources are saying that Ehlers is on the block. Now, and that's that's a, like this is if if this is a grandmaster plan or a plan B or, or or the failsafe. This is this is it's crazy to me. Like depending on the return, whatever it is, like you know. Will a Dougie Hamilton make it more palatable? Yeah, I still hate to see Ehlers go, but I don't know. I mean, I, I think it comes down to the fact that, uh, like these trades like this, were all we always knew this was going to happen. Like the Jets finally have talented players on their team, which we didn't have for the first six years of the. You know, we had we've had the last couple of years with a really stacked roster, and the where it comes down to for me is. Okay, you know what? If we have to trade Jacob Truba, okay. But I would have felt a lot better if we had gotten, say, like if the same trade, but you know, the pick was, you know, like an eighth, ninth, tenth overall pick, something like that. I would have felt a lot better for that. Uh, if we're going to trade Nikolai Ehlers, okay, that sucks. He's one of my favorite players. But what are we going to get for him? If we get, uh, not that I'm an expert on the Carolina Hurricanes' defense, but you know, if if we get a Dougie Hamilton, that would be a good thing if we traded for tell me if i'm wrong but maybe an overrated defenseman like justin falk then that would be a bad thing and and chevy's gotta chevy's gotta come out you know with whatever other moves he does after this he's gonna have to he's gonna have to come out a little bit ahead basically that's the only way he's gonna do it well and and, and again back to a point i made a little bit earlier um also need to state a good Nikolai Ehlers trade, which you never know, maybe you get a good return on him, does not does not make the Jacob Truba trade any better. 
Like you might end up, you know, in the end, maybe you replace Jacob Truba with whoever you get back for Ehlers, but that doesn't that doesn't erase that you had the asset. You had Jacob Truba as an asset, and you got no, such minimal returns for him. Totally wrong slip. If you trade Taylor Hall for a good second pair defenseman, <laughs> you can still sign Milan Lucic as a free agent. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> what well, what scares me about the Ehlers trade too is okay, so it's it's all about Ehlers. It's all about Ehlers, and he's got the super attractive contract already right yep so why isn't like a more you know a more attractive you know asset not not being talked about in the same breath like like a Kyle Connor who you know might take the same path as a Jacob Truba who who could be you know looking for that bridge and not wanting to be here long term but you've got Nikolai Ehlers as as an asset that's on long long term now He's, right, he's, your, he's your longest term asset. He is the one guy that's here till 2025. Yeah. So why is, is he being rumored as the chip when we've got him? We know what he costs, right? We don't know what Cal Connor is going to be. And we know that, you know, he's, he's got just as much, if not more trade value right now at, at, at the controllable asset that he is, right? Like, I don't know. It's just why Ehlers? Why Ehlers at this point? I wonder if it's because, I mean, to me, the optimist is just that, okay, he he would have a ton of suitors, right? Because of that cost controlled contract, uh, or sorry, that the, the affordable contract, because he like scores at a really good rate without, I don't think without even like that prime time power play, uh, minutes as well. Right. So without playing with, with Shifley and Wheeler. Right. Yeah. Like he's been, he hasn't, he hasn't been gifted kind of the same roster opportunity that uh, Kyle Connor has. So I'm a little bit, I think that's maybe the slightly optimistic view. I'm a little bit skeptical of it because uh, I just wonder if there's some other reason that, that the Jets are uh, maybe leaning towards trading him. I'm not sure. Well, and we look at these assets and talk about how they're going to be like, you know, this is a super attractive asset for another team. And it's like, that's great. You have it. Like you own that you asset. Want that. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, <laughs> this is what teams covet. They coveted Jacob Truba. They coveted a Nick Ehlers. We had those, we have those players that, you know, you control that asset. And, uh, and so Matt, you know, first of all, even like considering giving it away is, is, is a little crazy, but then to not get the the best value that you can for those. Um, I just, I, I would have said like Truba a year ago was like, well, yeah, this is probably going to end up, you know, uh, he's going to end up parting ways with the team. Like that's, that's the path that we kind of knew we were on for the last little while, but like Ehlers, like at the end of last year, really? Like, how are we here? He's a 23 year old player. <laughs> he's making, he's, he's on a beautiful contract. Um, I don't, I don't get it. Like, Last year at the end of the season, um, I said that the Jets should have gone all in with, with seven players. Uh, they already had Shifley. They already had Ehlers on contract. Um, and I thought that they should have gone all in with Liney, Connor, uh, Morrissey, Truba, and Hellebuck. Those are your seven, right? Guys that are all 25 years or under. Um, you've got a couple of them locked into contracts. Uh, you could you could get pretty decent long term contracts, I think, with all of them uh, last year or this year. And everybody else on the team, it doesn't mean you 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 trade them all immediately, but you consider everybody else on the team expendable. Sure. For the purposes of building around that core, and that core, you could lock that core in for five or six years, easy across the board. And what a core to to work around. And now. Now one of those guys is gone. Another one might might be on the way. Um, we don't know if we're going to be able to afford two of them. And Josh Morrissey was fucking bridged. Yeah, last year you could you know you didn't lock him in last year. You've you've done the bridge thing with him, and and he may not be chirping like Truba is. But like how how do you start down that path a second time in two years with another talented defenseman? But he but, but here's the thing, right? For, for for all the touting of, of developing draft and develop draft and develop and and signing your controllable assets to long term deals, we've really done the opposite the last last two years, right? Committing to Brian Little and 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 Blake Wheeler in a really big way, and bridging uh, Josh Morrissey, Jacob Truba, and who knows what's 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 on the horizon now? Like, what does trading an Ehlers 
um, do for a Patrick Liner? Like, what does that what does that say for him? Mm-hmm. Uh, what impression? Like, what are you saying to your most prolific scorer when you're you're your best? You're trading his best friend on the team. Like, <laughs> I don't know. What do we, let's talk about culture. Let's talk about culture. Let's talk about long. Let's talk about a whole lot of things that are, that are that are brought up when 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 I look at it, right? So, as an organization, who are you catering the team for, right? When you when you speak about trading an Ehlers instead of a Kyle Connor, so who really are you are you interested in protecting or, or building the team for? Well, right. Yeah. It feels to me like they, you know, the, the the organization is solidly behind the Wheeler Shifley, let's say Bufflin camp, right? Where they're saying this is our team or this is their team, and I mean, yeah. those are three fantastic players. I, I love all of them on the Jets. I think they've done great things. But two of sure. those guys, one of those guys is thirty four, and one of those guys is thirty two. Two old. of them are part. Uh, two two of them are part of the Atlanta Association. That kind of, you know, it was a problem in the locker room before. And I. So and I, I I get loyalty, but but if you're sitting here, if you're sitting here saying, you know what, this team has to make like major bold decisions because um, at the at the bare minimum, you've got you can't afford everybody, let alone all any other cultural things that are happening with your team. Why are you why are you doubling down on your thirty year olds? Well, and you know this kind of like a doomsday scenario type of type of view of it, right? But you trade away in Ehlers and and you you look two or three years down the road, how fucking ugly are those contracts going to be? You know, I guess you mean like the, how ugly the Wheeler and Little contracts are going to be? Absolutely, Little's Little's yeah. contract is already looking super ugly, right? Like, uh, it's um, yeah, it's a scary proposition because because this was supposed to be a draft and develop, you know, commit to your controllable assets type of team, right? And we're not doing it. We're not doing a great job of it right now, especially with, with the talk of trading away that controllable asset that you signed long-term. Like it's, 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 there's a lot of fuel to this fire. And it's not, it doesn't feel very good as a fan looking at, looking at the way things are going right now. Yeah, I think it comes down to, we always hear, uh, True North say like like loyalty and stuff. That's that's common, right? I, you mentioned you said the word before, Alan yourself, and mm-hmm. I just keep getting struck by how you hear about that organization being, uh, you know, one of its guiding principles is loyalty. But man, like just the talk we're having here, how do you makes me think? How are we supposed to have loyalty as you run an NHL team in a salary cap era? Like yeah. you, all you can do, you can choose to be loyal to. To one to these players, but then you need to. You're also by doing that choosing to trade or unsign or whatever, like all the other players, right? So really, what it comes down to is, it'd be great if your like guiding principle was like awesome judgment, you know, and being able to 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 make these calls right. And um, you know, the Jets, like you said, Roddy, they made they they chose uh, they chose to to be loyal to uh, Wheeler and Little. Which like, which like, I love just like taking in a vacuum, but it does kind of suck because, man, I mean, if I, we're we're always talking like, I mean, yeah, we'll you know we'll by the time this is posted, it'll be uh, Kyle Connor that's traded or 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 no one, <laughs> but but, uh, but you know it, it just these are these are these are bad salary dumps. Like you want to be dealing these guys from a real position of strength and and restocking restocking the cupboards with with younger players or more draft picks, right? That's what we want. Absolutely. Like that I don't know. Is 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 it is it looking at the window and, and, and going all in on the window or, or knowing that Wheeler you gotta sign long term to to make sure you take advantage of the window that you're in right now? You know, like how are they managing this team at this point? What's the, like I don't think there's a clear direction as to as to where you're going right now. So you lose your top right-handed defensive men right now for for basically nothing. Now, now, how do you mold this team? Now, how do you mold this team when it's like you're not the youngest team around anymore? You you're committed. You've got too much of a gap between you know your core players right now and and what you have to 
what you have to develop, right? Like you, you start not not signing these controllable assets and, and having to deal them while you're you still have these severely long overblown contracts right now. You know, Bufflin included, like he hasn't regressed yet, but he's he's still, you know, seven million a year tied up with, with Dustin Bufflin, right? Well, they, like they've got twenty five million dollars next year committed to four players who are 30 or older. I mean, I mean, again, you, you know, like you, you, you got to sign some veterans. I totally get that part, but I mean, two of those guys are, are pro and little <laughs> It's like, that's, it's a lot of money. And, and, and again, um, little for five more years, like he's just starting this new contract. Yep. Yep. So <laughs> and, I, and I like, you, so you I know, have a question, I have a question yeah. or go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 go, go. Go for it. I, I was just going to ask a question because we've been kind of bit, you know, it's been a bit, a little bit doom and gloom and stuff. And partially, I think, or I wonder if it's partially because of these Ehlers rumors that we're also hearing. But I wanted to just ask you guys, how would you guys feel if we were hearing the rumors like, okay, like the Jets are going to trade, um, uh, like the Jets are going to trade Kyle Connor or, or like reinsert, if cross off Ehlers' name and someone else that you think would be a good move. If if we basically would we basically be looking at this like okay, Truba man something weird was going on there he's um he he's a, doesn't want to play in Canada casualty or he's a cap casualty what would, would you guys feel different if we were hearing like okay like the Jets are going to be selling high on Kyle Connor now to make cap space uh, I would I would be unhappy I mean I, those seven guys that I named earlier. I, you know, I, like I would be, I would be much happier if they like, and even if they got lesser returns on it, if they were like, we traded Blake Wheeler. You oh know? yeah. <laughs> like something, oh, man. like I, 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 and again, I'm not saying Wheeler is a bad player, but if you're trying to, you know, if you're trying to look seriously at the future of this team and, and you're sitting here going like, we're, we're looking at this situation right now and saying this team is screwed when it comes to salary cap. And yet the players who we're looking to sacrifice as a result of it are the young core, which is which is totally counterintuitive. You build a core of young people that that that'll age together and develop together to have longevity and have long runs, like a consistency for years to come, right? And when you're when you're when you're not controlling them and you're having to trade them away, you know when you're trading. You're having to trade away your stud number one defenseman at a point where he's not going to get you return, right? When he should be should have been either dealt earlier for 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 better assets, right? For 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 younger assets or you know younger chips and and draft picks possibly, right? And, and you're trading him away at this point for nothing in return when he should be either your top defenseman for seven more years or you would have gotten some better return for him and younger than and you're signing 30 plus year old guys it's not it's not how championship teams are built right you know championship teams are that 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 compete for a very long time you know we'll still have a window but are we going to be there right so, like, the Chicago Blackhawks were famous for, like, their core, right? Like, they kind of picked their seven players or, or six or seven players. Like, you you picked Allen. But I think one of the differences, correct me if I'm wrong, but did they do any damage with, like, after they signed uh, Kane, and T- uh, Kane and Taves to their, to their 10-year contract, like, to their, 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 their UFA, buying up their UFA years? No, they or were... Did they, do all, they're, they're did they do all their damage as RFAs? Their, their, peak was, their peak was prior to those contracts. Like, that, the team peaked out. Prior right. to, and again, like, Kane and Taves are both wonderful players, and, and I mean, you know, Kane especially is still a top-five player in the league right now. So it's not like he's not worth the money that he's making, but... You know, if when you commit to, you have to, the, the salary cap makes you choose one thing over another. And what they've chosen in going all in with those two guys um, and, and in what's going to eventually be declining performance is going to be a hindrance to that team. And I just think, you know, this is a league where the, the salary cap especially has forced you into 
you know, loyalty is great, but this is a business and the salary cap makes it more of a business. And um, I, I just, I, you know, I, I don't think that, I don't think that committing uh, to those kind of deals and making that be your decision is, is a wise long-term move. And they did for a time, you know, deal assets for, for return and manage, manage their assets to, to a certain degree. Um, well, right, you know, they're Andrew Lads, the Dustin Bufflins, and you know, and competed for 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 a longer period of time too, right? It's, it's you know, it's all about managing your assets realistically, right? And you know, they went all in on Kane and Taves, and the, the disadvantage for them is they had two superstars to sign, right? Yeah, at two very big contracts at the same time, right? It's just, I don't know. It just, I, I see some similarity. I mean, I I I agree that they should that probably the tough call should have been made. With, with what you guys are saying, but boy, but boy, I just like Wheeler. Wheeler is Wheeler mean like Wheeler means to the Jets what what Kane and Taves well, mean to the. But Black the, the other the but other Bra- difference. Oh, but, but Brian Little clearly wasn't. But the, the, the okay, <laughs> the, and the the other difference with Kane and Taves is that they won Stanley Cups. Like they they had a run of championships yeah. for six or seven years, right? And then you paid the guys, and so it's like, okay, fine. If you're going to sacrifice some team success over the next few years, but want to reward the guys that got you, that that's fine. But what have we had? Like we we've been waiting for eight years. Um, we finally get to the point last season where we're like, holy shit, like we're going to be a, per- a perennial contender. We're going to be an easy playoff team. We've got a young core that we can lock in for years and years and years, and we're sitting pretty. And and now, two years later, we're sitting here going, we got to lock in our old assets, and we're going to give up new assets, and the team might take a step back as a result. Like, we haven't we haven't done anything yet. Hey, let, let's, let's, let's just say, okay, Truba was a foregone conclusion that we're not going to keep him, right? Oh, I already you know what right. you're going to say, and I'm going to disagree with you. <laughs> fight, what, fight, what, what, fight, what, fight, what, fight. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? Okay. Um, that is a foregone conclusion. I Well, okay. It, it's just, are you going to say that we should have traded him back in like 2016 or something like that? Like, that? like is that no, where you're going no. with that? Well, I'm ah, just kidding. Now I look right like now. a fool. <laughs> no, no. Right, right now, it was a foregone conclusion. We're going to lose Truba, right? Yep. What scares me is, is now now the you you were right with your sentiment before, like it's the Ehlers trade, it's the talk of the Ehlers trade that's making me more nervous than anything, because we're like I said before, we're totally going against the grain of what this team was supposed to be, and Alan has been reiterating it as well. You go all in on those seven players because you know what, that's your core, that should be your core, right, and you know. When you, you hear talks of that, when you hear talks of Tyler Myers maybe si- signing long term, this is totally the opposite of what this team was supposed to be, you know, from from its inception, right? The, Everything that we've been hearing. The other thing that worries me about this, uh, and again, we're, we're we're speculating on things that haven't happened yet, but um, one thing that worries me too is that um, we're not. The team's not exactly committing to one strategy. They're, I, th- I feel like they're trying to straddle both. Like, let's keep some veterans and keep some young players. Uh, let's let's go all in on a on a run by trading away this draft pick, but then grab it grab it back because we need the picks. You know, like that's super attractive at this point. And it's like I play um, I play fantasy football in a number of leagues, uh, dynasty leagues, and uh, one guy who I play with. One of his problems is that he trades all the time, but he he doesn't commit to one way or the other. Am I am I tanking and rebuilding, or am I going for it? And uh, and so he he makes a, a whole bunch of different kinds of trades, and and at the end of you know a couple of seasons, his team is decimated because it's just it's just a a, a slew of of kind of bad decisions because you haven't you know and, and again each individual decision isn't necessarily a bad one, but the the sum of all of the decisions all of a sudden you can have a mess on your hands and again like i'm looking i'm looking at cap friendly right now and i i remember looking at this a few years ago and feeling like holy shit like again good for chevy we're we're sitting really pretty and now i'm looking at it today and it's scary are we gonna end up like the again layer of flames it's just 
I like middling for eternity. Is that is that what's gonna is that what you're predicting? Or? I don't I don't know. I, I mean, I'm looking at this here, and again, like we've got we've got we've only got four players who are signed to or sorry four or five five players who are signed to contracts after next season, and <laughs> one of them is Brian Little, and one of them is Blake Wheeler. Yeah. Like that. Mm. so, like what's our you know? And again, hopefully we're gonna lock up. We're gonna lock up Liney and Connor. Hopefully for the longer term at this point. Hopefully Ross Livick too. And and that this could look a lot better before the end of the summer for sure. But you look at this right now, and and it's like what's what's our plan? Well, Roslevic wants out, right? There's a rumor. Yeah, I definitely heard that rumor, and I think that yeah, I. He, him, and uh, I always thought that Roslovic and Perot and Cop were like three of the most like obviously disgruntled guys that didn't really care for the coach. I always thought that, and um, but I just thought it was a little bit odd for because Roslovic's such a such a young guy. Like he's what he was twenty this year, I think he was. He is like twenty two. Oh, so he's okay. So he's a little bit older. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I definitely heard that rumor about Roslovic as well. Well, and so. the question I have about that is because we've had this a few times now where we either know the person doesn't want to play in Winnipeg or we've heard rumors. And I get that Winnipeg is not as an attractive a, a market as, you know, Florida for tax reasons or New York or, you know, other kind of more glamorous spots in the U.S., et cetera, et cetera. But we seem to hear more about players wanting out of Winnipeg than we do players wanting out of Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Ottawa, right? Maybe not Ottawa. <laughs> but but some other like similar Canadian teams, I don't we don't seem to hear this stuff as much as we do. And and again, maybe that's because we live in the Jets bubble. But we live in the Jets bubble and, and still Alberta's still tax more tax friendly than manitoba is but what's but what's i've heard some pretty bad stories about being a player in in edmonton i think i think edmonton and winnipeg are pretty pretty similar like what's what's i just you know if it's just inherently a problem with with having a team in the city of winnipeg then fine let's resign ourselves to the fact that we're just screwed and that you know one in every three players is going to want out of the city at some point in time but you know, it, there's got to be other things here, right? And and one of them is we've, I think, talked about again and again is how these young players are deployed by their coach. And uh, that seems to be the rumor with Ross Levick. We know that we know that one of Truba's original arguments was that he thought that he should be a centerpiece on defense and the team disagreed. And that was the issue over the contract a few years ago. Um, and, you know, there may there may be others with these young players. Well, okay. So here, here's another theory. Like you're a draft and develop organization with a GM that's you know built on drafting and developing, right? And you've got the worst coach possible for developing young players. <laughs> well, I mean, the three players that I talked about was like Roslovic, Pop, and Perot. Well, not that Perot is a young player, but but those were guys. What did those guys have in common? Is they were they were like the fourth liners on the Jets for most of the year. So players typically, especially if the team's not like if the if the Jets would have been slaying and like, you know, rolling to first in the West or whatever, you probably wouldn't have heard too much about that kind of stuff. But I mean, it wasn't exactly a very good season for a lot of the year. And oh. those guys were still just getting fourth line minutes, a lot of them. Or Ben Sherrod or Joe Morrow or like who who else gets played when, when well you know younger Tana, players Tana that would have gotten more ice time than those guys um, you know a lot of them didn't I mean if I was if I was Andrew Kopp I mean he's probably chomping at the bit he's probably looking up and wants Brian Little's job right and yeah. the coach wasn't going to be giving him that you think Andrew Kopp like what's Andrew Kopp's thinking about his his contract negotiations like imagine if he got a regular shift with Patrick Liney. Or you're there, and then you just sign Brian Little to a long-term contract. So where are you going to be in the, on the depth chart? And where's you're going to be your minutes, right? Like, <laughs> well, you're- I, I think the money stuff. I think the money stuff matters. Which, is, like, so I think big picture, and and like we're saying, like Winnipeg, what is obviously not ever going to be a very de- desirable location for for professional hockey players, and that's just the way it is. But okay, I think that I think that. To me, it seems like the Jets' ownership is making like a really big effort to, you know, they want to be like a like a 
they want to they want to be good bosses or whatever. They want to be good the the good hands on owners or something like that, and they want to be a well run organization. And you know, I so I I think that's kind of the angle they're going at. But it seems like for there's just like a little bit of a different like the players want to get paid. I think now more than ever, and you know, like you see this like they talk about Mitch Marner in Toronto and Austin Matthews and and like this current crop of RFAs is. They're, they they want to get paid like they see the older guys not getting it, and uh, and and they want to get paid what they're worth. That's so I think if, the Jets, if if the Jets would have had this crop of RFAs like five years ago, like that might be a way different story. Yeah, like you look at what like you know Colton Pareko. Like we were kind of thinking for a long time, like well we should just resign Truba for what Colton Pareko got. That that'd be pretty great. For the team, anyways, not for not for Truba. They they should be relegated to the fact that they're going to overpay for their guys a little younger than than the the other teams will because of the Winnipeg quote unquote tax, right? And, and commit to that and know that that you have to commit to these assets when they're controllable. Like why why get into that? Like just accept the fact that you're gonna pay half a million dollars more than half a million to a million dollars more AAV for, for these what the other comparables are going to be playing because they're your controllable assets and you need to hold on to them because we're not a destination. Like I don't know. Gotta be realistic. Right? And being loyal to a fault that's like you know what? Chipper, you're a good owner. Great, stay out of the everyday shit. <laughs> Let this team. Wait get a minute, did you just NHL say trust professionals? And trust, we trust Chevy. Well, you know what? There, there's got to be something <laughs> that's missing. Like there's got to be something that's missing. Like, trust in Chevy, but like, like it's counterintuitive to 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 think that you're going to be draft and develop and have a guy like Paul Maurice running the team where he's loyal to your, to his veterans. And that's what he's been known for forever. Like, uh, how do you, how do you reconcile the, you know, the logic that that they've been running this team with when you're when you, it's clear as day how, how counter, you know, how counterintuitive it all is. Like, it's, it's, it's almost comical, you know. And we and we need to move out of the realm of like we've lived in a world where making the playoffs is a success. For this team, and and that's satisfactory for the city. But with this core of players, and uh, and with what we've had in the last two years, we need to raise that bar of expectations now. So you know, it's like, well, how can Maurice be a bad coach when the team is you know made the playoffs three out of five years and they're almost a hundred points and so on? It's not good enough. Like your goal is a Stanley Cup. That's that's what you need to be going for. And if, and if you're you took a step back last year, and I mean, I remember I was in Ottawa, and the Senators were a damn good team for like seven, eight, nine years. And uh, with Jacques Martin, who was a perfectly good coach, five years in, they weren't winning cups, and they were like, "Forget it! Like we need to do something different," you know. And it's they got to seriously look at the you know at Maurice as as part of that. And and I I would agree that there there's something there's something funny. I've always said like, and I've put it on Chevy. Um, because of course that's what I do. Uh, but like Maurice has a boss and for some reason the boss has decided that he is the guy to do this. And yet when yeah, the it, boss, the boss is Mark Chipman and it, and it has to, I mean, I think it's gotta be Chipman because when you see the things that Chevy does, he brings in players who are then not used. And I mean, when he brings in a Kevin Hayes and spends what he does on Kevin Hayes and then. Kevin A's is, is not utilized properly by the coach for whatever reason. What, like, how can you, how can you as a GM be happy with that? How is that acceptable? Well, it just didn't work out very well, did it? That yeah. Oh, are you talking? I don't want to talk over you. Sorry, man. Always, <laughs> Chipper wants what Chipper wants. That's it. That's always. It seems like it's like um, I don't know what is like 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 not like a Jekyll and Hyde thing, but it seems like the team does have the management has two personalities, and I think that the easiest way to explain it is is like you're saying is that you have uh, you have the GM who I think like just you know seems like you know kind of a benefit of the doubt, competent manager. Uh, you know, he was patient. 
And now we enter the years where that patience paid off. And okay, well, the Jets drafted like a lot of they hit a lot of guys in the first round, and they had some really good good drafts. They got hella buck with the later on pick and and Niku. Like okay, so this is good. But but then you have you have um, then you have the coach, which seems to want to give all the ice time to Ben Sherrod and and uh, <laughs> and you know he. If, I don't know what was going on. Like one of the most embarrassing things about this season was Brian Little being the second line center, just game in and game out, and and uh, like you have like like while Patrick Line like just like dies this emotional death every day on the ice. Like like there was just something so clearly wrong there that any anybody any halfwit could see, but the coach kept on persistently doing that, and. Yeah, it just it just I, that's always left me just at such a loss, and and uh, yeah, and then for the GM to acquire Kevin Hayes, like you said, and well, where did he play? Well, he ended up playing a lot of his time on uh, on the fourth line against St. Louis in the first round. So like, yeah, this, this what was going on there? I don't I don't know. <laughs> and this fan pace was so is so so loyal and so patient, willing to wait for four or five years for this team to to turn into something. Um, been sold a draft and develop strategy, which let's all be honest, at least in terms of who they brought in, um, worked out very well for the team. You, you drafted and developed it and you, and you created a core of players. And now all of a sudden we, we got one good run in the playoffs. We had one step back, um, though not a horrible season, but a step back. And now we're sitting here and it's just like, could, could this team be like, could this team be worse <laughs> coming in next year? I mean, in a way, it already is so far with the loss of Truba. But like, how are we? How are we regressing so quickly? It doesn't make sense. I think I've always felt that this year, this year's Jets should have been um, should have been close to the level of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, to me, I thought that the roster was that good. Uh, I think that they. I think that they chose to enter the season with uh, Ben Sherrod as the left shot defenseman. I think that was that was definitely like a that definitely put them a, a healthy notch below uh, a team like like Tampa Bay. But the Jets had a stacked roster. They went into it uh, with the cap situation, like with all of their ELCs and RFAs. Okay, well we have Ben Sherrod as our left shot defenseman for the first half of the season. Well, the obvious formula is to trade for uh, a legit you know, top four defensemen to ride into the playoffs because you have the cap space to acquire that. And yeah, I mean, like who, who had better who, on paper, who had better forwards than the Jets this year? So I, I think the expectations uh, probably among the fan base were high. I think that they probably should have been higher, uh, especially given the, given how many times you would see people say, well, they're still at first and central when when their points total would be barely squeaking them into the playoffs in the other conference. Uh, like this was this was an underachieving team for a long time, and uh, and yeah, I mean in retrospect, Chevy made a bad call by by throwing more more good assets after bad with with trading the first round pick. So um, yeah, the-, the expectation should have been high this year. Uh, coming up to this next season, we'll see what they do on defense. I mean. Uh, I don't know if they'll be on a cup contender list coming into next season. It depends. We'll see what they do. Uh, we're we're running up to close to an hour. We're at fifty two minutes. I wanted to ask you guys both kind of one uh, one last uh, question, or I guess two questions, but in the same kind of uh, thought process before we uh, we ended today. So what's done is done. Troop is gone. It's over. So let's just start from today moving forward. Going through the rest of the summer, if you had to describe, let's say, two or three moves that the Jets could potentially make that would make you flip your lid even more. (laughs) And let's talk about realistic things that could actually happen. What would they be? And then on the flip side, what are two or three things that could happen over the course of the summer that from this point on you'd say, you know what, I'm pretty I'm pretty damn happy with what what happened. You want to go first, Roddy? Okay, they signed Tyler <laughs> Myers and they traded they trade uh, Nick Ehlers for Justin Falk. That would <sighs> that would that would that would be it for me. I would 
I would watch Ringette all winter. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. I thought you were saying that's what you wanted to happen. Oh, my God. No. Okay. I'm relieved. I'm relieved. Okay. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, God. don't I know you? <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I guess, I guess for me, what I, on the positive side, what I'm hoping for is, um, I, I would love to see them. I would love to see them lock up Patrick line a to, to a fair contract that, that doesn't feel like a, uh, a huge overpay. I would love for them to just make a bet on him, figuring everything out and, uh, and going all in. But on the flip side of that, my big worry is now that I'm worried that the jets are going to, they, they made this trade. This, this trade does a, does a boatload for their cap situation. And I'm really worried that they're going to feel pressure to spend that, spend that money, that harder in cap space and sign, you know, yeah, like just, just, just make a bad deal or, or the worst deal would be re-signing Tyler Myers. You're absolutely right. I, I really dread that one. So I hope that that doesn't happen. It's happening. Uh, <laughs> I agree with both of you on the bad stuff. Uh, to me, the one thing that would thrill the hell out of me again is is a surprising trade of of one of these uh, one of these veterans and their salaries, whether that's Wheeler, Little, Perot. Um, I, I just you know like I I want to throw Bufflin in there, but you can't afford to lose a defenseman now. <laughs> um, but if if all of a sudden it's like this is the salary that we decided to, or this is the money that we've decided to save as a team and we want to reallocate that to a younger asset. Um, and I think the reason I'd be thrilled with it is because I, I absolutely don't expect it to happen. Hey, when's the expansion of two years, not, uh, or sorry, not two years. Is it the end of next season? I think Seattle starts in 20, 2021. Right. So it's next season. So that would be who, uh, let's see here. They're no, sorry. They will begin play in 21, 22. So next year is 1920. So no two years. Hey, you guys. Um, so one of the, the, I was just thinking when you were talking, Alan, that, that, um, or when Roddy mentioned the expansion draft, is the time not coming up really soon for the Jets to either, uh, for the Jets to trade Brian Little before his no move clause kicks in? Do you guys know off the top of your heads? No. Well, I mean, these contracts, it, it, I don't know if, didn't he have a no movement clause on his old contract? Um, I'm just going into, and and forgive me if I'm kind of just like talking out of my ass here, but I'm pretty sure, uh, I'm pretty sure that, uh, that his, that his no move clause kicks in, uh, at some point in the new future. And if it does, what I, here's, here's my little thought is if the jets, I wouldn't be surprised if the jets make a trade that involves, um, like a real stud piece like Ehlers or Connor, I wonder if they also move, um, I wonder if they would attach a uh, little at the hip there. Cause I don't know if that, if that player is, or that contract is seen as an asset anymore. He has, that's... he has a modified no trade clause on his, on his contract. Uh, no, no, that is incorrect. No, he's on a, he's on a no movement clause, uh, for the season that's ending now and next season. And then mm-hmm. that converts in 2020-21 to a modified no-trade clause. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Because, yeah, just thinking about the expansion draft, because that's, um, yeah. I mean, one of the things that may end up happening, too, is, like, the, you know, the, the league's going to lock out again in a couple of years, right? Like, we're, we're coming to a work stoppage, <laughs> pretty yeah, much for let sure. let them rot. Let them all rot. Uh, so maybe, maybe, they're banking, maybe they're banking on coming out of that with another, you know, some openings to, for additional buyouts, et cetera, and that's how they can get, get out of this? Mm. Who knows? Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. I think I, I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, if, if one of those three veterans – uh, were traded, but it's it's almost certainly going to be Perot. I have to say so, and that that makes me a little bit sad too. So, and you you know what the kicker is though, for us Al, yeah, is that if if things go to shit, you might be motivated to podcast every week again. Oh, I mean, I I, I was brought back to life this week, so. <laughs> Um, oh, how the last podcast disappeared once the Jets started winning. Just so perfect. When I became, when I started becoming the regular voice of reason on the podcast, you knew like the whole chemistry was off. 
<laughs> I'm like, come on, guys. It's not that bad. Chevy's doing pretty well. What? Who am I? Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, let's... Uh, RB back to tweeting and Alan back to podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> old times, boys, like old times. Full fucking circle. Eh? <laughs> uh, do you want to throw in your plugs before we uh, before we wrap up? Yeah, sure. Big Poppy Peg City, uh, Bruce Oak Recovery Center. Check out the site. Uh, baby, baby, baby bowl coming up. So. Um, you know, if you guys are interested, that's gonna we're starting to plan that. Anybody wants to volunteer, prizes, or anything like that, uh, just get in touch with me. And uh, I'm also on Twitter. I'm at Mike Friesen Ten, and uh, I will also just echo uh, Big Poppy's uh, Bruce Oak Recovery Center. That's uh, that's a lot of things more important than hockey. So hell yeah to that. Uh, yes, I would third that. Um, for Bruce Oak Recovery Center, Roddy doing a ton of great work um, in Winnipeg and, and glad that it's getting uh, recognition. Uh, I am Slip with Five Eyes on Twitter. Uh, I had yet another tweet yesterday go viral. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's like my fourth time in like 10 years of Twitter that I've had something kind of blow up a little bit. So uh, now's the time. Get, get in while it's hot on, on following me. And. Uh, <laughs> I do two other podcasts, which are on hiatus for the summer because I'm uh, moving into a new condo and, and need to focus on that. But uh, check out The Mezzanine Sleepover and Albums Are Dead. Uh, if you search for them on uh, Twitter, you'll get all the information on both of those. Uh, so this has been uh, good times for Jet Centric. And uh, based on some of the ways that the summer could go, we may be talking again sooner rather than later, boys. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Have a good night. True. Right on. Thanks.